Hi, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Julie, and my podcast is about growing up in L.A. through the lens of an immigrant child. I'm here with Carlos Edward, a.k.a. Eggy. Hi, Eggy, and thank you for talking to me. Time to be my guest. Um, um, it, it's uh, nice to join you and, um, you know, be a part of your podcast. Thank you. So I just, you know, I'm an immigrant child and I grew up in Los Angeles and I've had my trials and tribulations here. Um, a lot of prejudice, you know, for my parents, their accent, their lack of English. And I know you also grew up as an immigrant. Your mother uh, had a strong accent. Um, you were born in Mexico and came to the U.S. as a child. How old were you? Well, I was here before. I mean, I was as young. I was two. As soon as I was born, I was here. Uh, the thing is, and uh, my mom was pregnant here. My dad didn't want me to be born here because he was in the military World War II veteran normandy and uh he had a terrible experience with it uh he died from alcoholism so he was really only around for about five years and during that time uh he was in and out of the va hospital uh unstable and so he told my mom to go across the border to have me so that i didn't have to join the military or get drafted. I mean, get drafted, uh, you know, like they did in, uh, during World War II. I see. And then um, you came back here when you were really, really young. And how did you I was back and forth. It's a baby. So back and forth. But my mom had another. Um, she had um, uh, my half-sister, oldest, and my uh, half-brother, um, you know, they were not from my dad, so they were not eligible to, you know, migrate to this country. Uh, so she wanted not just me in this country, but she wanted all her three children at the same time. And that's my story with how I, um, I had to wait to, to, for the other kids, basically. Or my my mom's kids. My I sister. See, but nevertheless, um, you were still in your household centered immigrants. Did you feel, how did you feel compared to the American quote unquote children? Did you feel any difference in Los Angeles? I didn't because I didn't see any difference since I was a child, it was back and forth. So, so here's the deal. It's like even though when you you ask you ask me this question of how did it feel to me, it it didn't never felt different because I was always here even without my sister and brother. You know what I mean? Um, I was brought to this country as a very young baby, so growing up in this environment was uh, not not really very different. I saw the other side of my culture. Like my family, but I really didn't really, you know. But I saw the way that people discriminated my mom. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Your mother had an accent. Did it bother you at all? Of course. Yeah. 
Well, I was embarrassed because I, um, again, discrimination, you know, and uh, my mom, uh, I saw people just looking at her in a different way and, and uh, really being rude in a way, being rude. And I was a child and uh, I grew up around a white environment uh of friends at first uh yeah with my family and everything but when i came here and i i started elementary i adapted to an all-american you know i wasn't good hanging around with the mexican kids in the neighborhood i was discriminated by them too you know i didn't know where to fit you know what i mean um so there was the two sides of i had an identity crisis when I when I when I was and I was in a I was put in a bilingual uh, class, um, third grade and fourth, which really complicated my learning. It it it, it confused did me. You, did they put you in, in an ESL class, an English second language class? No, it, it was a bilingual class. English and Spanish class to break me into the whole thing, you know? Um, and so uh, two years and then fifth grade, uh, it was an all English class from there on. And uh, Mr. Fakaris, uh, the best teacher that I've had, ever had, uh, fifth and sixth grade. And uh, it, 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 yeah, he's the one that really taught me the most in school, you know, you know, from the 12 years, he was the one that taught me the most, fifth and sixth grade. Uh, that's, so That's amazing that you had like, a teacher as a, as a great mentor. It's, teachers are so significant in um, children's lives. Yeah, you know, he took a liking as like a big brother, um, a personal interest, uh, knowing that I didn't have a dad and I had a stepdad that was a punk. I used to talk to him about it. And the thing about it that we got to know each other became, because I was one of those kids that grew up, like I was tall, by, the, by as tall as I am probably, you know, by the time I was in the sixth grade. I, I was one of those that grew fast and then I stopped, you know? And then, the, and I used to play basketball with him. And then the, during the lunch and away from school, uh, he, he would, um, he would invite me. He would. I had my mom signed a waiver for him to to take me to the YMCA, where uh, he taught me how to play four wall uh, handball. You know, and um, you know the spa, the steam, and all that. It was just um, and he 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 was a big brother, a good man. His kids were off to college. They had moved out. He had a girlfriend in Malibu. Uh, they had a, a ranch in Malibu, and um, he was a Greek, and he would take me downtown to the Greek uh, delis, you know, and his thing was cigars, and uh, he was just a really special, good man, but man, let me tell you, you know what I mean, tough, tough, like, like I'm talking about tough, not playing with you the first uh, week uh, being in his class, the fifth grade, he grabbed me by the fucking neck. Not, but my, you know, I'm sorry, my, uh, 
my sweater, you know, and he threw me against the wall. And he said, listen here, punk. I was like, so he, he, he demanded respect and authority, you know. Was, and, he, the, wait, was he the one that um, propelled you into music? Yes. He's really. Tell me, tell me, tell me about it. Tell well, about... he knew that I had to have an outlet. So a music came along, you know, do you want to play an instrument and so forth? And uh, my mom couldn't afford any instruments. Uh, so I was given um, a clarinet, you know, from the school, uh, plastic, plastic clarinet. And um, I started fiddling with it. And the one thing led to another. And um, then I wanted something bigger. So half a year, you know, fifth, fifth, yeah, fifth. Um, was it fourth, maybe? Anyways, I started playing the clarinet. By the time I got to him, I didn't want to play the clarinet anymore. I wanted something that I could show off, you know. And it was um, the trumpet. Here again, my mom could not afford a trumpet. So she went to a pawn shop and she bought me a, a what is it? Uh, not a trumpet, but a. It's the one next to the, it wasn't even a trumpet. Trombone? Okay. No, not trombone. It was, um, what's the word? It's like a mini trumpet, but it's still a trumpet. It's not really a trumpet, you know? Uh, fucking anyways. Sorry, I, I blacked out on that. Um, that lasted for a year, and, and that didn't stick. I, I didn't want to play the trumpet, but it taught me the value of, uh, you know, reading music and so forth. And um, so that introduced me into just going to music class. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I, yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And you, you joined kind of, you were part of this whole kind of punk movement in Los Angeles. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, during the 7th, um, the transition, okay, here's the thing that I'm proud of and uh, my mom was very, very proud of, um, was that um, uh, Mr. Ficaris brought me from really being under grades to, to where I only really had to do half of the 6th grade because I was, I was ahead, my, my age was... You know, I had reached uh, a certain age past the grade that I needed to be, you know. And uh, so uh, he brought me, he, br he brought my studies up to where I only had to really do a half of a year in the sixth grade. And then I was uh, transferred to John Adams. And from there, I continued doing music and everything. And then the, the punk rock uh movement came along and um i started going to hollywood for you know uh watching bands taking the bus the the number one blue bus uh santa monica boulevard um to west hollywood it's a very young man you know 14 years old uh a teenager really um 
and uh, the one thing led to another, and uh, I used to at times walk from Hollywood back. Sometimes I would get stranded, but you know, always going back really late around three o'clock in the morning to four o'clock, you know, and then I had to wake up to go to school at 7.30. So through my junior high years, there were kind of, uh, I was lacking a lot of sleep, lacking a lot of sleep. I was up on throughout the nights. And uh, yeah, when I got to junior high, they put me in band, uh, you know, and they gave me a snare drum and uh, I didn't like that either. So uh, I got a job cleaning graffiti, cleaning the, the blue bus line uh, buses. And I saved up to buy a drum set. And uh, that's how I started, you know. And then uh, I, I met with a froggy that was a Z-Flake skater from Venice, you know, the Jay Adams and the Dogtown guys, you know. And he was one of the, you know, he was a star um, team skater for Z-Flex. And so he was popular. And uh, he picked up the bass. And then I started drumming. And the one thing led to another. And uh, I started just making noise, learning how to play, you know, uh, self-taught, uh, playing to records. And um, that's how I started. So, and where did you go from there? Oh, from there, I just continued playing. Um, uh, and then uh, Mike Muir, the singer, of course, uh, he was the old, I mean, it goes, it, 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 that's how suicide and I started. Uh, I was in the ninth grade and I was playing with Froggy uh, from Z Flex, the skate team, uh, you know. Um, and uh, Mike Neal came along because he was the only one that could drive us to the shows. And uh, he, he asked us, he asked me if I, if I wanted to join a band with him. And uh, we tried out Froggy, but he didn't like Froggy because he was too popular and he, was, he said he wasn't good enough. But Mike Neal had this vision of like, like controlling, you know what I'm saying? He was in control. And uh, we started suicidal, and it, it became a popular band, you know, here in, in, in Santa Monica. Santa Monica, look, suicidal started here in Santa Monica on 21st and uh, Pico in the alley of uh, 20, right behind, you know, where Campos, 20th and Pico? That's it. Yeah, yeah right behind the alley there. Um, that's where suicidal started. We started in this garage and then, uh, and, and Mike Muir, he lived in Santa Monica and, uh, I lived in Santa Monica and, uh, but then he moved out of his parents and then, uh, we were at, uh, Abbot Kenny in Venice because then there was like three guys, four guys that rented the house and, uh, he was one of them. So we used to rehearse there and play. So from Santa Monica in the garage on 20th and Pico, we ended up moving, rehearsing at um, Abiquetti and Venice, right there. And um, yeah, we had parties there. It was a suicidal house and 
and from there on, it just kind of grew, you know, and so forth. Uh, but uh, anyways, that's how that's that's how I got started. That's amazing. So going through your immigrant experience with your mom and then being bilingual and seeing how other people would treat her or judge her, you took that and you kind of turned poison into medicine. I kind of did. Um, I didn't never, there was a lot of fighting in my family. Um, I didn't, I, there was something about being in my, my, uh, my mom's family, there was there was just a lot of violence. I mean, I don't know if this guy's still alive. A half brother of mine, uh, Martin, and uh, I was just talking to my half sister tonight, and they, she was asking me about him, and and I was like, I don't know if this guy is dead or alive. Um, but uh, he, we used to go at it like over the television black and white television back then over the uh, Looney Tunes, you know, whoever got to the TV, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember Looney Tunes. You know, fighting over the... Yeah, I think we had like a similar, similar but different um, upbringing or experience in, in Los Angeles. Um, same time frame. Yeah, and it was very hard for me because, like I said, being, look, my dad was German, you know, and, and my mom completely, like, Mexican lady, and those were two completely, like, different worlds, you know what I mean? And my mentality, it was like, it's like, I didn't know where to fit. It was like, I, I, I tried to be a cholo at first, and it didn't work out. I didn't make it as a thug. I didn't make it as a gangster. I didn't make it as a gang member. I remember I used to sell weed in the, in the, in through junior high and, um, you know, uh, hash and shit. And they used to steal it from me. They always used to try to gank me for it. And, um, but music was really what saved me from the bad elements that, um, that surrounded me around the neighborhood. Because where I live now, this whole neighborhood here was all black and Mexicans. You know what I mean? Yeah, things have changed a lot in Los Angeles. Um, you know, now it seems that being an immigrant or having an accent is just, it's not as surprising or rare as it used to be. And it's interesting because you married an immigrant yourself. Was it a coincidence or did you purposely not want to marry and, you know, I, I really honestly, um, having to deal with a lot of American um, girlfriends, uh, they they were like beautiful disasters, you know, and um, cute girls, but they all had drug addiction problems, and it was just one thing right after another. I didn't feel, I felt that they, I really couldn't trust, I really couldn't trust an American girl. You know, hoochie mamas, uh, drug addicts, um, and I had a lot to play with. I had a good run, you know, before I got married um, uh, with girlfriends and so forth. And uh, it was really the time when my mom, really, honestly, it was the time 
when my mom passed away. And that's when I realized that I no longer wanted to juggle. I didn't want to juggle girlfriends no more. And the girls that I was seeing during the time, the ones that I, that I, the one girl that I was uh, seeing during that time was just uh, out of control, out of control. And um, I, I, I was hurt. I was hurt a few times in love, you know, um, I can honestly say that like three times, three times I was uh, hurt, uh, you know, falling in love, breaking up, meeting another girl, just juggling women and, and emotions and broken hearts. And but uh, Judy came along, my wife, she came along at the right time. And uh, she was just good for me, you know, good for me. And um uh, I asked her, um, you know, right after I met her, would you like to, would you like to have, would, would you have, do you want to have my child? And without no hesitation, she said yes. And um, that was a real just, I, and here's the thing about it. Um, Judy didn't really have sex with me like the first night or the second night, but the third night that we ended up going out, uh, to the circle bar. We kept going to the circle bar for some reason, you know, and, um, anyways, um, yeah, we finally, uh, got it on and, uh, yeah, she wouldn't kiss me the first few times. And, uh, uh, I was, uh, I was getting in touch with her through, uh, her friend, Gigi, you know, another Hungarian girl. And that was uh, my best friend's uh, girlfriend during the time as well. And so she's the one that introduced me to her. So it was always, she was always setting up the dates, you know? And then, the, so the third time I, I figured, you know, if, if, if nothing happens, it's like three strikes and you're out. You know, I was a fast moving you know, hot dog back then. And, um, uh yeah so the third time was a charm we 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 got together and it was uh she gave me a kiss she gave me their personal number and she came to my house and uh the one thing led to another and uh but during that time the third time i remember asking her sincerely do, do you want to have my child and without no hesitation she said yes and that meant a lot to me because I wasn't looking to play any games with anyone during that time. My mom had just passed away uh, during the, a month prior to that. At first, uh, here's the deal. I, after the kind of um, hooking up with Judy, I, I didn't see her for a while. I didn't see her for a good month or two months. And it was because, uh, I was broken. I wasn't ready. My emotions were not really ready to date uh, or have sex or any any interaction with any anyone. I was really broken, and um, so her friend, you know, called me and she's well, she was like, "Well, you know, why don't you want answer? Don't you want to go out?" And I was like, "I don't want to go out because really, I need some time. I need some time just to just. It's not her." It's me, and I'm uh, I'm very depressed, 
and and basically I I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to her and when I'm right when I feel like it I said it, so it, it took about two months before I could actually call her to start going out with me but I knew that she was somebody who I definitely wanted to get together with really have uh, start a family and uh, I, I I there was something there was something I think that my when my no, no I'll tell you what when my mom passed away and uh, that morning of having to go to the cemetery um, to bury her funeral uh, in the middle of my waking up I heard this voice saying this is a good girl pay attention to her it was like I heard this voice she's this is she's a good girl pay attention pay attention to her and um, I got to be honest, sincerely honest, that I heard this voice telling me that, that to go with it, you know, and uh, that reassured me. And so, so anyways, I ended up calling her, uh, say, a month or two later. And, uh, and she was really um, disturbed and disappointed and upset that I wasn't calling her uh, because her friend, um, Gigi, the one that introduced us, she was uh, really making it dramatic. That uh, why wasn't I? You know, making it a big deal. And and anyways, getting away from this, um, you know, story regarding my wife. Um, yeah, we ended up hooking up, and uh, we had a, you know, right away we that year, within a year, we had our kid, our boy Carl, and that was a life changer for me. And, you know. Yes, and Carl is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful boy. Yes, he, he's definitely uh, an interesting boy. He's the, the love of our lives, for sure. Um, you know. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't easy growing up here with, a, you know, um, interracial marriage you know especially with not having a father figure you know i it was hard for me i never wanted to be home i never felt like i fit in for some reason um i was disconnected from my siblings you know um my mom passed away really stopped you know keeping in touch and uh yeah. You know, sometimes you don't pick your family members. You don't pick your family members. Uh, yeah, sure, I know that. <laughs> Believe me. You know what I'm saying? You have a half-sister, right? Yes. I do. So tell me a little bit about her. What is it that makes you different and how you feel about it? And how is it that... Uh, you see the difference in your immigrant uh, childhood growing up with her. Um, I guess we're just very different. Uh, I think she's uh, more corporate. I'm more kind of like hippie-ish nature lover, one love, you know. Um, I don't know... You know, I think 
think we just see, we have, we see the world through different lenses, you know, and it is what it is. Everybody's different, you know. So could you feel that growing up there was um, a kind of sense of a, a, not really closeness. There's always like static, perhaps, and jealousy uh, and shit like that. Uh, if the age difference was too large, like I, I was never jealous. I was. How old? Is, how old is she? Oh, how old? Oh, older than you are is she? Nine years. Oh dear. So by the time I was nine, she was already living in the dorm at UCLA. You know what I mean. Oh, For sure. Yeah. Um, I enjoy being a guest and, um, you know, um, sometimes we're not ready to express ourselves. So, you know, but it, it, you 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 just got to go with what you know during the time or what you can remember, you know, is, is that. So, but yeah, it's been a pleasure and thank you for having me. Child, one love and take care of yourselves. Peace out. <laughs>